What's up, everyone, and welcome to Raise the Geek, your destination for the biggest geek news and reactions in movie, TV, comics, and gaming. This week, let's talk the Halo series premiere episode, a show that's been 20 years in the making, but was it worth the wait? We also are going to talk about that deleted scene from the Batman that released this week. But first, and as always, by we, I mean Chris. And um, let's go. And we are back. Welcome, everyone. Episode 49 of Raise the Geek is lively being recorded. It'll be in for your ears to hear on Wednesday. Good Lord, Chris, you are a mess. I am here with my buddy Don. How are we doing, man? Chris, what is up today? My friend. We don't believe in second takes. <laughs> No, no, no. We pro- we've proven that over these past few weeks. There is no second takes. Uh, who needs a second take when you're this good at this? Um, <laughs> there it is. There it is. You're matching my level here. Yeah, man. I'm good. Everything's okay. Just uh, being tired, but the norm, like we were just talking about how tired we are. But hey, man, life is good. Life's okay. Can't complain too much. Yeah. How are you? How is everything? Good, man. Good, man. As I said last week, I had my family here, my sister and her couple kids. So we had a long week of doing things and running around with kids and a lot of energy in the house that I'm not used to having. So by the time they left uh, yesterday, I was ready to crash. Just get get to recover now this weekend, doing some stuff, talking some Halo with my buddy. Um, But we did a lot of cool stuff. We actually went to a, I can only talk so much because I signed an NDA, but- Uh We went to an American Ninja Warrior taping this week. Ah, yes, you did mention that last uh, and, uh, last time you were going to go to that. Yep. So we we actually got in. It was funny because they had it set up. You did all the paperwork, but then you had to go do your COVID test, and so okay. you had to go do like a rapid test before you could get let into the like arena. So we were standing there, and I'm there with my sister and her couple kids. We do our COVID test. They put you over to the like zones that you had to like sit in for 15 minutes while you waited for the results before they'd let you in. Because if you tested positive, then you had to go. So we're standing there in our group and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then they uh, come over, lady comes over with a clipboard and she's like, I need to see one nine four. And that's my nephew's number. And we're like, (laughs) and he wasn't the first one on that list because I was the first one. So we're like, Mm -hmm. oh, shit, this kid just popped for COVID. We're going to have to go. I'm exposed now. Like, they're going to put him in one of those E.T. suits. Like, get him out. Get him out of here. E.T. suits. (laughs) (laughs) And so he (laughs) stupid movie. So then she comes over and she's like, "Okay," And she's like holding these wristbands. She has like a silver and a gold one. And then she's not telling us what's going on. And we're like what's the problem? And she's like, so are you guys family? Mm -hmm. And my sister's like, yeah, we're all family. And she's like, okay. And what are your numbers? We gave her her numbers. She looks, she goes, okay. And she gave us all these silver wristbands. And we're like, okay. So then we go in, we get to go get in the next line to get ready to go into whenever they're ready for like the next wave of audience members. And we're standing there. And this one lady we were talking to, she was like, you guys had silver wristbands. And we said, yes. And we saw she had gold. And she's like, I think those are family ones. So go get in another line. So I went and I found another line that was everyone was silver. So we got in that line for like family and we ended up getting taken to where the family of the contestants were sitting. (laughs) So we ended up in like the front row with all of the 
contestants families so like literally we're right behind where they do all the interviews we're like holding the signs for the family members they're like here hold this sign for us so we were like part of every family of every contestant so we are going to be all over that tv <laughs> that's pretty funny <clears throat> like that's a mistaken identity gone right yeah like but, oh, who who's your uh is your is your brother competing like no i don't know why i'm here but i'm i'm super close should have wore a raised geek shirt they probably would have made me change it but that doesn't exist yet anyway it doesn't i could have made one get a little iron on decals <laughs> and done all that yeah. stuff but i'm a little bit more excited to talk about some halo tv show ah, with you yes. because i know you have zero zero anything about halo like i know you know it exists as a thing you probably know what no. master chief is and that's about the extent of what your halo knowledge is yeah man because we we were in the same situation with dune a few um episodes ago being a franchise and entity that i'm aware of but don't actively participate in yeah i've talked about on the show before that i'm more of a primarily sony um console player since PlayStation one and haven't ever really had an Xbox just cause I never really wanted one. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I do, I've known what halo is for all these years. Who doesn't, if you like video games, you just know what halo is. It's the Xbox flagship game, yep. uh, but never really experienced the games. Can't speak with too much knowledge on the, the lore and the characters, but you know, I'm interested enough to watch this show just because I'm a sci-fi fan and, and it just looks fun. So that's what we're here to talk about, buddy. So, we got that and a bunch of other things to talk about. Sure. But before we do, want to make sure you like, subscribe, and follow this podcast on all social media and podcast services so you don't miss an episode, don't miss a thing. Make sure you like, subscribe, and follow. Give us those reviews. Looking for those five stars helps us out. Spotify just added rankings, so hit us up with some five stars over on Spotify, which is kind of our home away from home, where we like to put up all of our work. So definitely check that out. Subscribe over there and hit us up with those five stars. If you want to join the conversation, hit us up over on Twitter at Raise the Geek. You can. Uh, you, we're real close to sixteen hundred followers, and it could be you. It could be you. Hit us up on Twitter at Raise the Geek. Shoot us an email over at raisethegeek at gmail.com. Join the conversation and let's have some fun. Absolutely. Like, follow, subscribe, and love the, the, the big, the big ones. Got it. Yeah. That's all we need. That's all we need. So, Don, this week, uh, forgot his name, Mark Webb. Who? Who's the director <laughs> of the Batman? Uh, no, Mark Webb directed uh, the Amazing Spider-Man. You're thinking of Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves. You got those. I at M's. least was you in Spider-Man world. <laughs> I was multiversing it here. Um, yeah, Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves. He told yes. us it was. We'll see it. He told us it existed. This week, he decided to say, "You know what? Here you guys go." And he dropped a five-minute deleted scene, which was what he talked about, which was the Batman being mm -hmm. the Joker in Arkham. He did. And yes, yes, he dropped. did. And everybody went nuts kinda, with opinions. Yeah, everybody kind of lost their minds about it. First of all, it's kind of funny to me that it came out this quickly. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing that caught me a little bit off guard because this movie is still in theaters and still, I think, I believe, still like number one at the box office. Yeah. Which means people are still going to see this movie for the first time. So now this scene pops onto the Internet and, you know, you can watch things on the Internet for free. So it's like anybody could just go watch this without even have seen the movie yet. 
it's kind yeah. of strange a little bit. I figured that this would have been a scene. Maybe you get dropped once the movie hits HBO Max. Maybe it gets included in that version. So that makes people want to go watch it. Or like it comes out later when the movie uh comes to blu-ray and all those things you know i didn't think it would be this quick it seemed really quick right like two or three weeks 100 100 yeah. it's, it's definitely something that's usually like a promo like they're doing right now for spider-man where they're showing deleted scenes or dropping stuff because it's it just hit digital and it's about to hit you know disc 4k mm -hmm. disc and blu-ray or whatever discs come out now so you know you, usually you want to hype up the promotion for the next wave of releases for the movie not while it's two weeks old in theaters or three weeks old in theaters and people are still yeah. seeing it so it seemed weird i wasn't expecting it i knew it was coming because obviously he told us it was but right now it's here it so is here basically as as described previously and i think we even talked about it in our the batman episode um it's basically like a scene almost like the same scene with the Batman and the Riddler in Arkham where they're talking through the, the, the glass and he's mm -hmm. visiting him and he's just kind of Hannibal Lecter in it, wanting to get the Joker's opinion on who this guy is and how to catch him. And, um, yeah, that was really it. It was just a conversation between, uh, what was it? Barry. Keoghan? Barry, Keog Barry Keoghan's the actor who, you know, from the Eternals. Yep. And um, his version of the Joker. And mm -hmm. first, or at least a Joker like character. Yes, I, it, it feels like it's more. He's similar to everybody else that existed in the Batman movie, where it's like he's pre Joker. Like yeah. you also had pre Penguin and pre Catwoman, and nobody called him the Riddler, but that's who he becomes. That's who is going to become the Riddler. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like pre Joker, Joker, kind of year two Joker. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about feelings on joker being introduced into a into this world again so quickly but just speaking on the scene itself um i enjoyed it i thought it was good um i kind of i kind of like the take that barry keoghan's bringing it's it's similar to it's i mean it's similar to what a heath ledger's version was like more of a dark grotesque version mm -hmm. that it's it's hard to see i mean they they clearly had in mind they shot this on purpose where you can't really see what you're looking at too clearly yeah they They're kept him out of focus almost entirely right they kept him out of focus and then once he was in focus at the end it was either like okay we're gonna give you the top half of his face then we'll give you the bottom half of his face you're never gonna see it all in one yeah. clear shot we don't want to give you a clear shot um i don't know man it's it's hard to separate that being said, me saying I did like it, it's hard to separate what we talked about before of Joker fatigue versus was this a good scene? Yeah. Because um, we've had, we've we've gone in at, at length on this before, but like, you know, is Joker fatigue a real thing? Um, and it kind of depends on where you fall on that camp. I think if we would have only had Heath Ledger's Joker and it took us this long to get to Joker again, I would have loved this scene even more. But the jokers we've had in between are kind of what delude this for me is like we just had Jared Leto's, you know, David Ayer, Zack Snyder Joker, which I have been on record as saying I did not like and like killed it for me. And then you had Todd Phillips Joker with Joaquin Phoenix not too long after that. And I've been on record as saying that was a fine movie, but it just wasn't a Joker movie to me. Mm -hmm. It was just a, you know, taxi driver, king of comedy movie where you just put the Joker face paint on a guy. Yeah. So then like it's hard to it's hard to separate that i'll be like man i've had enough of this but i still really liked it if that makes sense you know what i mean yeah yeah i, I liked i agree i liked the way it was shot 
I liked, um, I liked the out of focus. I struggled to try to figure out where it would fit in the movie. And I think that mm-hmm. was one of my other problems where I was like, well, where the hell would this go? And would it work? And what was the point? And I mean, is this move like what leads into this scene? So it, it felt weird watching it just because I kept trying to think where it goes in the movie and having a scene very similar to it at the end, you know, or later on in the movie with uh, it's kind of was weird trying to figure out where, like I said, where they would go with it. And why Which ultimately, ultimately kind of says like why it was cut, probably yeah. because it was too similar to the, the final scene with Riddler and Batman, which is probably much a much more important scene to the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe they cut the Joker scene to then and they filmed the, you know, like maybe it was one or the other. I don't I like I said, I don't really know what happened in the production, but. I had a hard time just getting excited with it. And I think a lot of it was just Joker. Like, I really don't want to see a Joker in this universe anytime soon. I liked what you said during our Joker or Batman episode. Like, hey, do you know, you want to save him for the finale of your story and build up to him? Cool. But the idea of seeing him in this movie, I didn't even like that they threw him in voice. You know, they were teasing him in the original one. I could have done without that scene 100%. And I, yeah. I just, there's so many other people I'd rather see someone take a stab at. I like seeing the, the new villains. That was what I liked about Batman Begins is they were like, well, let's do Scarecrow, like Scarecrow and Raza Ghoul. Really? That's where you're going sure. with this? Like, that's random as hell. So I just like that idea of like playing with other things. This one, you know, was like, okay, Riddler, we've seen one version, which was very Jim Carrey. So let's see what a new version uh, was. Okay, cool. I'm down with that. Same with even Penguin. It's like, we've seen one version way back in the day. All right, you can bring these characters back and do something with them. But I don't, yeah, the idea of doing you know, Joker again, I, I just really don't have a lot of interest in it. Uh, even two face yeah. to a point, I just don't have interest in. Um, I feel like we've seen a couple versions of it. So let's give someone else some love and come up with something different. Yeah. That's why if you look online, a lot of people are like, there's a lot of names going around out there, but there's a lot of support behind a Mr. Freeze movie for part two or court of owls movie, or, or just to mess with something we haven't seen in a while do i mean we saw mr freeze once but like let's actually do it right this time um i i totally think it's a fair thing to say every director who tackles batman wants their chance to do a batman versus joker story that's just got to be the dream movie to make like you want to tell your story i'm sure matt reeves wants to tell his batman joker movie but i i'm in agreement like i don't need it right away like if if this movie is as successful as it seems it was you're gonna get a few cracks at this like make your second movie, make it a little different. You want to go for Joker in your third or even fourth movie, then great. But like, we don't need him so quickly just because of that fatigue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, and they said that to, to support that, but when we went to, when we were at C2E2 in December and we went to that like Joker panel and they had a bunch of comic book writers that worked with Joker in the past. That was pretty much what they said is like everybody, that's what comic book writers want to do as well. It's like, Hey, we want to do our Joker story. We want to play with the Joker and see what we could do with it you know and that's just the case every time every time you know batman switches writers in the comic books what's the first thing that they do they all all want to tell a joker story it's always the joker comes out you know and does his you know tinian just did it when he took over from tom king and his you know jokes uh the joker war you know i mean that was his first arc coming at coming off of the the bane story was up let's bring joker back again Right. And Scott Snyder told his, you know, death of the family. Then he did it again with Endgame. He had two Joker stories. They all they all just want to do it, yeah. which I don't so, blame them for, because it's uh, yeah. like a, it's a classic comic book battle that you want to do. But just 
not immediately. Let's let's yeah. let's have another movie first. Let's get somebody else in there. I, I would li- I would like the slow burn, and you know sure. if this is any indication, maybe that's the plan of kind of taking something and going, hey, let's just show him a little bit here, and then the next one will show him a little bit more and see what he's up to, and then the third one kind of take this culmination of like these things were all like leading to this, and if right. if you do it right, it could be really cool. But yeah, I just leave him in the background. And I think that could be a lot cooler than just full on Joker. Um, where it's like basically make him like Batman's Thanos, where he's yep. he's just he's just looming in the back waiting his turn. And then finally, when he's ready, then we'll let's do it. Yep. hundred yeah. percent. I think that's yeah. how that should be done and handled. And I hope that that's kind of their plan, because that's what I'd like to see. But it was a cool scene. I had a hard time getting like pumped about it. Like I watched it and I was like, cool. Mm hmm. And, you know, Barry Keoghan did a good job, you know, with his things kind of curious, you know, going with the, the scarred up Joker again, um, obviously not really full on made up. So it's hard to know exactly what he would be and what he would look like outside of what he does now. But um, yeah. I'd be interested. I'm interested to see it. It's just hopefully not anytime soon. We're in agreement. We are in agreement. Sounds good. Well, we're going to shift gears 100%. 180 here 180 quick 180 huge 180 is we're gonna now go to space Uh oh (laughs) go to space and some other planet to do some things as we're gonna talk about the premiere episode of halo the series i know what's called to say halo tv that's not right halo the series and we're gonna discuss on whether it was worth the wait that it's been for this show to get onto our tvs but before we do we want to let you know that this episode of Raise the Geek is sponsored by Anchor.fm. It's been nearly 20 years since Halo was announced as a movie. 2005, they announced Halo as a movie. We're hit, sitting here in 2022, and we finally this week got the first episode of Halo over on Paramount Plus on what has to be the worst app ever. <laughs> uh, worst app experience, anyway. Worst. Yeah, there's just there is nothing good about that app. It is it is designed poorly. It mm-hmm. I've never seen anything stall so much. I like hit a button and I hit a button and then I hit a button and then I wait like 30 seconds. It's like I'm on dial-up internet and I just yeah, I'm like, did someone pick <laughs> totally. up the phone and disconnect me? Like what happened? And then all of a sudden it'll jump, like the cursor will just jump. Half of the time I can't even find the cursor. I don't even know what it looks like. Like the 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 UX design just I don't know what happened with that app. I, I was waiting to hear like the fax machine noise, like yeah, yeah. It was loading up. It, it it is a terrible app. Um, I've yeah, discovered bad interface. bad interface and bad just the stalling on it is terrible. Um, the lag, but I did discover that if you you know go onto your tablet and throw it at your TV, it seemed a little bit more responsive when I was on the the iPad with it. So. Might be a little workaround there. If you're new to Paramount Plus, like we are, which I'm assuming everybody is, like who else has who has Paramount Plus for anything? I know it's the streaming wars is a real thing, but like I have no reason for this app if it wasn't just to try this show out. Yep. Uh, but yes, you could t- yes, maybe maybe it's designed with old people in mind since it's all CBS and it's like NCIS and it's all those shows that like 60 plus watch. So maybe yeah. it's designed at that slow like thing because that's you know how they take their media or something maybe or am I or am I being ageist here? 
CBS <laughs> CBS stands for cute, comma, boomer station. <laughs> that's all that's all it is. Uh, so you know, maybe it's designed with them in mind and we're too fast paced and we're like, come on, give it to me now. And right, they're right, like, right. no, no, take your time and read the synopsis of the whole every show before we'll move the cursor for you. But we're there to watch Halo TV. And I wanted to go a little bit over the history because I've said a couple of times it's been 20 years since this show was there. And it's actually been kind of a crazy story of how many people were involved in this thing, how many times it was announced, how many times like how we got to where we got is kind of crazy. So I'm going to go over that real quick. If that's cool with you, Don. Yeah, man. Steer this ship. Learn me. Learn me about Halo. So the Halo movie was announced, as I said, in 2005. And I have over on uh, IGN put together a great article that is the history of Halo's hard-fought battle to TV. It's the complete timeline of Halo's troubled road from video game to TV series by uh, Joshua Ewell. Um, so definitely go check that out. Um, I'm going to read an excerpt here from it about what happened to the Halo movie. So hold on to your butts. Sam Jackson. Hold on to your butts. I hate this hack of shit. <laughs> uh, so originally hot off the success from Halo Combat Evolved and its sequels, Microsoft's plan was to make a Halo film. And in 2005, they made an overly ambitious play to grab the attention of the big Hollywood studios. It's a story that now lives in infamy. Microsoft paid 28 days later writer Alex Garland, which has done all kinds of stuff because he did. Didn't he do devs and Annihilation? Isn't that the same Alex Garland? I think so. I've heard that name attached to stuff like um, that. Yeah. But 28 days later, right? 28 days later, writer Alex Garland, they paid him a million dollars to pen a Halo screenplay. And then copies of the script were sent to every major movie studio except for Sony to make a publicity stunt out of it. The screenplays were hand delivered by couriers dressed in full Spartan armor, and the studios were given 24 hours to decide if they want to make this movie. And then along with the script was a contract offering a top a lopsided deal where Microsoft would be paid $10 million up front, retain all merchandising rights, receive 15% of ticket sales, and be granted creative control over the movie, which they dictated would receive a $75 million production budget. So not surprisingly, many of the studios balked at Microsoft's excessive demands. And in the end, Fox and Universal made a deal to make the movie together with Fox distributing the movie to foreign box offices and universal domestic but obviously it all kind of fell apart at that point no one was able to get it made but that was just that's a crazy way in which you try yeah. to get a movie made got yeah, 24 totally. hours to decide we want all creative control and we want all this money and you're almost bullying them into trying to make your movie and they're just like no we'll pass they seemed really cocky that they were like this is a halo movie yeah, they're going to be falling over themselves to make this movie, aren't they? Right. And, and it seemed like they were because obviously like Peter Jackson was attached to direct at one point. Neil Blanc Blomkamp was attached and uh, Guillermo del Toro were all attached to direct this movie at one point in time and have worked on some version of it. And um, they all kind of just fell apart. And what they kind of decided was that it would work better as a TV show. So then it shifted. And in 2003, over at E3, Steven Spielberg had an announcement that he put together basically saying over on Amblin or DreamWorks Studios or wherever he, I think Amblin TV is what he does. Um, we're going to do the Halo show. So look for it soon. And this was 2013, already nine years ago from where we were. Um, it was originally set for Showtime, set to premiere in 2015, but nobody could creatively pull it off. And Showtime felt it didn't fit their more grounded dramas being a space faring kind of like adventure with aliens and such. So it ended up getting 
shifted over and um, they started working on different versions and CBS and Paramount ended up with the rights to air it on whatever they were going to air it on at that time. Um, it was the uh, 2008. They started with a lot of different people involved, but there were a lot of creative control issues. People wanted to make their Halo story, but then you had the IP and Microsoft and 343 games and everybody wanting their opinion and like, no, you can't do this and you can't do that. So a lot of people kind of jumped out of it. Um, the shooting for this movie lasted two years because of the pandemic versus the original plan of six months. And there were 265 drafts of the first nine episodes that included Halo lore and notes from 343 and Steven Spielberg. 265 drafts of this script mm, for nine yeah. episodes to do one season of TV, 265 drafts, which is crazy. Uh, each episode in season one averaged $10 million and it was already renewed for season two because of the buzz that it got before episode one aired. So we're already ready for season two of this. And after $90 million in almost 20 years, we're finally here at the premiere of Halo, the series on Paramount Plus. Ooh, yeah, man, that's a hell of a road. That's a hell of a road to get to where we are. Yeah, 265 drafts. And this is what we get. (laughs) This Halo show. Um, Yeah. It's interesting. I was I'm excited for it. It's hard to know what I feel about this show. I do. I'm not as a full disclosure as Don said as well before I went through that whole history of the show. I played Halo one through four and reach an ODST basically all the 360 Mm -hmm. and original Xbox games. I never really played five, which apparently nobody likes. And I haven't really touched the new one infinite yet. Um, So I played a lot of the original. um, So I'm aware of a little bit of the lore and read I think I've even read a couple books of Halo. I was going to say there's, there's like some books and animation isn't there too, all attached. And yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a far reaching franchise, just even outside of the games. Yeah. So they've, they've definitely done their thing. It has been a long time coming. It's surprising that they didn't do it earlier, but it also feels like there's a lot of whatever they wanted to do 20 years ago in this. Mm -hmm. And the show feels like it was made by studios and not people who like halo. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of things in here that was really weird, but overall, my overall thoughts and impressions, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the show. Um, I've, I've planned on coming back and at least checking out the second episode and seeing where they're going. Um, I think that there are some unoriginal ideas and plots that they want to do, which we'll get into. Like, I don't understand. My biggest struggle was, as I said, it took 20 years to get here and this is what they give us. And I was like, really, this was the best you could come up with for halo. Like one of the most, money-making biggest IPs and video games. And yeah, this is what you give us. So it was interesting, but I don't know how you, how'd you feel about it, Don? Yeah. Well, me having said already previously that I'm not like a a halo head or into the lore or into the games or anything. I was just going in halo head. (laughs) I was just going in judging, planning to judge the show just based on what I'm seeing and taking it as like a a sci-fi show that I don't know what I'm getting into, just like ready to watch a new sci-fi show. And in that regard, I'd say it was entertaining, but it didn't bring anything to the 
table that like wowed me in any way. Yeah. I kind of feel like this show maybe would have been better served if it would have came out years and years ago. Now it just kind of seems like a little dated in its ideas and it's like storytelling, like everything just seemed kind of simplistic. And as I'm watching, I'm like, well, I've seen all this before somewhere else just done better. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I can respect what I saw visually. I mean, everything, I mean, you could tell $10 million was put into the show. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, even though the CGI is a little wonky sometimes, but I mean, it, it looks like a big budget, big, you know, it looks like a show that's a big deal. Like yeah, Paramount, Paramount plus is looking for their game of Thrones. They're looking for their um, Vikings or whatever you want to say, like their big operatic show that's what yeah, they're, they're trying epic. to get with Halo. exactly epic. everybody needs that like flagpole bookmark epic um and that's what halo is meant to be for paramount but it just didn't miss the mark for me in in some ways and i know it's just a premiere so i don't want to judge it too harshly like i'll definitely tune into a second episode to see where they go but uh yeah to me it's just kind of mid kind of average yeah 100 percent. you yeah. know six seven out of ten is probably mm-hmm. where i would i would put this pilot Uh, this first episode just based on what we saw and we'll dive all into that for anyone who may not know halo this show is uh following an epic 26th century conflict between humanity and an alien threat known as the covenant i don't know why i couldn't say that word halo will weave (laughs) deeply drawn personal stories with action adventure and a richly imagined vision of the future um the producer kiki wolfkill that's a hell of a name Wolf kill. Um, they revealed that the series is a standalone story that takes place within its own silver timeline, and it's inspired by the game rather than a continuation, adaptation, or prequel, explaining that they wish to give the Halo, the two Halo canons a chance to evolve individually to suit their media. So they are doing their own thing. So pose a question to you. When, when you're looking at like video game, any kind of adaptation, comic books, video games, do you... Would do you want to see like one to one, or would mm-hmm. you rather see the creatives take liberty? Do you like do you like <clears> the <throat> idea that they're going to do their own thing, or do you wish, even though you haven't watched played the game, do you wish they would have just taken Halo and? But I mean, this is just anything. Like Resident right, Evil has yeah. always been a big one with this, where everyone's like, "Well, why didn't they just make the game?" Like, I want to see the game on the big screen, and that's usually like what the gamers always say whenever they make a video game adaptation. Is like, "I just want to see the game on the big screen." And you're like, well, do you though? So what do, what yeah, do you it's think? A, <clears throat> it's a double-edged sword with this because your audience, you're hoping that this speaks to is the game audience. Like you already have your built-in audience, your Halo fans, and that's who you're hoping come to watch this show. Anyone else is just like a bonus. You're like, well, as long as we can get the millions of Halo fans to watch this show, we'll be a success. But then the idea is to make it different than the game because I'm thinking I'm putting myself in their shoes. They're probably thinking, well, if we give them the game, they've already played through that. So you're going to know exactly what's going to happen. There's no surprises. There's no reason to tune in every week. But then at the same time, you have <clears throat> a sect of gamers who are like, no, we want it to be more like the game. So it's like, well, which one do you want? You know, it's like you want it one way, but we feel like it should be the other way. It's hard to it's hard to decide. I think it depends on, you know, IP to IP, which way it works better for which. Cause there have been some things where they followed the game exactly. And people are like, I love that. That's what I wanted. But then you get another sect of people say, well, 
it was too much like the game. They didn't bring anything original to the table. So it's like, it's a lose, lose situation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're going to piss off somebody. Um, but so. what do you want? So I'm going to layer an example at you here next year. Okay. I think it's next year. We're getting the last of us show on HBO. We've said multiple times here. We're big fans of the last of us series, super pumped for that show and see what they do with that. Do you want a one-to-one adaptation of the last of us, or do you want to see a story that story, but just inspired with a new medium on TV? Like, what do you, what do you want to see out of that? I honestly think the best way to handle those, which appeals to me so i can only speak for myself is to like be a nice mixture of both mm-hmm. i wanted to i wanted to follow the game i love in a way but also at the same time if you if you take certain liberties and it, then it becomes a shock moment to me then i'm for that too you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like i don't want to know exactly everything that's coming but i do want to know something that's coming because that's kind of a reward of me being a fan of the game too you know what i mean 100%. um it's the same thing if you ask like Game of Thrones fans who who read all the books and watched the show. Like, I don't think they took many liberties on that show, but not until they ran out of books. Right. And then when they right. Um, but then there are some things that seem like they deviated way from those books and people appreciated that, too. Um, so I don't know, man. It, it just kind of depends on your preference. Me personally, I like a nice mixture of both. I want it to be based on the game or the book or the movie that I like. I like, but I also want to see some things that I can also be surprised by at the same time. I hear you. I was just curious. That's been one of the big. That's yeah, always so I, one of the biggest criticisms, yeah. and it is for this as well, where they're kind of basically saying, "Hey, this isn't attached to this is its own thing. It's just going to inspired by this world, and we're going to tell our own story that we want to tell." Um, and that seems to have been the problem with all the creative differences with the show has been how do we tell it and what's what's the story that we want to tell. Um, so they ultimately settled on let's do RoboCop in space. <laughs> that is what you call it. That is what I call it. That's to me <clears throat> what this reminds me of. Um, but this show takes place in 2552. So we are well hella in the future. Hella, hella. Hella in the future. Um, We're not extinct yet as a human race. Yay. yay. Um, but we are, you know pulling water off of other planets apparently so okay that's where we are um so that's where they start the show the first half of this episode takes place on a planet called madrigal and we realize Mm. that there's insurrectionists that are on these planets harvesting water and then they talk about the unc which is the or unsc i think that is like the military and the government that's trying to hold them down for some reason. And then they give us like a quick rundown of the Spartans and then the covenant show up and start blowing people up. They do. And that's the main, that's your main introduction to the show is that whole first scene before the title card is uh, basically the covenant invading into this place. And it's the most action we get in this entire first episode yeah now i I did like a lot of the action in this um but also some of it just kind of seemed like generic action but i mean the thing that sticks out in my mind the most i just want to see how you feel about it like i this show ended up being especially in that first scene a lot more brutal than i thought it was going to be um and like in the first five minutes you got young teenagers getting like blown up and like limbs shot off and blood and i was like man i didn't know they were gonna go this hard on this show and then there's a scene in that first scene too where one of the covenant just totally slaughters a room full of children they like do it off off screen but he like completely just kills all these kids and i was like man this is a little more than what i was expecting like is the halo world 
really this brutal in the games you'll have to tell me no that was no. <laughs> it, it was shocking to me with the brutality i did not expect them to go to that level of just yeah. like oh my god this is brutal and one of the things with those games that they always kind of like talked about was that they are rated mature but it's always been like why are they rated mature like there's no language there's no thing it's just you're just shooting aliens and even in the games they most of the time they just have like green blood so it's like they don't even have red blood it's not like you're shooting anything it looks like a person and it never felt like a mature game outside of just mm. the fact that you were shooting things um and it never I never, I don't recall now whether there were moments or whatnot, but I don't recall any moments where they showed really any brutality, like yeah. to that level where they were doing that. So I was shocked by that. And initially, really, I didn't like it because yeah. of that. I wasn't expecting that kind of brutality. And when it happened, I was like, oh my God, what are they doing? Like, it just seemed like overkill to me. And I really didn't, I struggled with it. Um, yeah. Were you watching the opening scene? knowing that that's what they're going to do i can get on board a little bit more but it was shocking to me because i just wasn't expecting it i was expecting a little bit more star trekky you know like wholesome yeah, yeah. a little bit just kind of shooting things with lasers and i know they have bullets and shit but i just was expecting i was expecting a little bit more star trek level as opposed to full-on just blowing people's heads off seriously when the, when that when that big brutal behemoth beast alien opened that door where all those children were and just executed all them my mouth was open for a second i was like what like i I'm like i didn't think they're gonna do that uh i mean i know it's a storytelling way to tell your story that you know this girl um you want her to be the lone survivor but it's just like damn that's that's some brutal shit right there so that kind of threw me for a little loop a little um bit. yeah but little, other than that i mean a little bit the I, scene was fine watching the scene the first time i struggled with my tv settings because mm -hmm. i felt like i had my tv was set to dynamic so the contrast it was so bright and the cgi didn't look good and everything was just looked cheesy and everything was moving weird it had that like like soap opera feel you know you know you know the tvs when they hit yeah. like 120 frames per second and then all of a sudden everything moves and looks like a soap opera and looks kind of funny and everyone's kind of been getting used to that. That's what it looked like. So everything looked animated and looked kind of cheesy. And I was like, this is really weird. Now I rewatched it before we started recording and I'm glad I did because I put it down to filmmaker mode, which lowered a lot of those settings and everything looked a lot better. So I, I, I can definitely be a lot more positive about it. Um, but yeah, outside of the brutality, a couple of things that made me laugh that I wanted to bring up was one, they were like, they told Quan, uh, the one main girl that were following in the story, he, her dad told her, get, get the children to the vault, go to the vault. So they locked, they ran, she ran all these kids into this vault, closed the door, and she put the smallest metal pole across <laughs> that door to say, yeah. I'm like, you calling that the vault? It has holes. She's like, it has blinds. She's like looking through the blinds. Yeah. And it's like I, not I, hidden. I thought that too. It's not protective. It's like, I mean, what is that metal? I mean, it was like this small metal, like the covenant didn't even break the door down. They just literally just ripped it open and like it did yeah. nothing to stop them. Now, of course, it wasn't there to stop, you know, giant aliens and whatnot, but it just was so funny to me. They were like, get to the vault. And then she just like layered this like super light little metal pole across the door. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, like very safe space you got here for these children. Uh, that bar's yeah. not going to do shit. So I like that me too. That cracked me up. But then it was pretty awesome because then the the Spartans showed up, and they started just dropping from the sky and really started whooping some ass. And I, like I said, a lot of the action it was generic, 
everything about this was generic. This show was just generic overall. It was very direct to DVD sci-fi. It was, like I said, nothing really original, nothing there. It was fine. I enjoyed all the Spartan ass kicking. And like I said, the effects looked good. I found it funny that after they realized the Spartans were helping them, they're like, the Spartans are helping us. They're not here to kill us. And they were like, let's fight. And then they like started running from their hiding spot and they immediately just got shot and murdered. I was just like, man, they didn't put up much of a fight there. Like there was no uprising. It was literally like, let's go. Oh, you're dead. Okay. You guys should, you guys probably should have just stayed hiding. Uh, Another thing I found, thing I found funny with that scene, if we're talking about things that didn't make sense or made us laugh real quick was once the beasts got in, you know, and they're at war with them, of course, okay, they all have their weapons, their guns, which clearly aren't working. They're, they're, guns aren't penetrating the shields they're not doing shit they're kind of just getting slaughtered know that they're not working right they're not working it's kind of like what we made fun of in the mandalorian episode eight you know your guns aren't working but you're still shooting them what the fuck is wrong with you yeah Uh, (laughs) but uh like but then for some reason when the spartans came like their guns did work even though it seemed like it's still the same kind of guns like bullets i was like okay maybe their guns are just stronger but then like master chief uses that big gatling gun that the boss was that the head of this town was using and he's just slaughtering these things with that same gun the other guy couldn't penetrate them with i was like (laughs) how all of a sudden is that gun more powerful in his hands where he's able to kill these aliens but they couldn't do shit with their guns like it doesn't make any sense dude i watched Um, that scene twice and i did not catch that and that's hilarious i love it yeah i was like okay well all right i guess that's just kind of a loophole or something like a story loophole but totally didn't make sense to me i was like okay the spartans got to have special weapons then if they're able to do this but no they don't they're just somehow the bullets come out stronger out of their hands somehow uh yeah i wanted i wanted more development um Mm -hmm. i think introductory and i mean this is going to obviously come from from you a little bit no knowing little about the actual world that we're in but I just, I don't know. It felt like they were giving us a lot of information, but then not at the same time. So then it was just like, well, what is the UNSC? What are these people doing here? What's the, you know, like give us a little bit more of like setting of where we are and what we're doing. Instead, you're just showing me these people all get slaughtered. And I mean, it was, a, it was a cool action and intro. And I'm su- I'm su- assuming all of that information is coming. It just seemed like I was a little lost trying to follow it. And I didn't know how you felt. There was enough, No, they could do enough like s- explanation of things to at least give you a setting in the world or not really no i mean it kind of just got thrown in and then after that scene we go into more with the government and like i'm just it's, it felt like they were assuming i would know where we were and who we're dealing with now mm-hmm. and as someone who hadn't played the game it was like oh i don't know who that doctor is i don't know who the, where this base is that they're at this government facility so yeah it, it did kind of seem like a lot of stuff could have used more explanation and I don't know. I just I'm I'm with you that that the things just seem like they weren't laid out well enough. Um, and you keep using the word generic, and that's totally just what it was. It was like a generic presentation of a show with like just some kind of simplistic writing that just didn't pull me in enough. Um, like I said, I don't it's, know. It's direct to DVD. Yeah, like I said, if you've watched any of Bruce Willis's last movies he's made over the past couple of years that have all been in space and weird sci-fi like original yeah. sin and stuff. That's what this reminded me of. And I kept waiting for him. I kept, kept half waiting for him just to drop in to drop his couple one-liners um, just because that's what it felt like. It just was kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah. And my, my biggest thing too, is you've, you've had this many years to get, get to this show. Right. 
So the basic story of this entire episode, like spoilers for those who haven't seen it. Hopefully we said that already. If we didn't, spoilers. But um, we, we never do. We're terrible. It's Master Chief basically realizing that something is wrong after he touches this artifact inside this cave and he gets these memories flooding back to him. And then he starts questioning what's going on with like his handlers. He's like a super soldier and this government is his handler. So he starts thinking something's going on. Something's bigger, bigger is at play. It's kind of like the super soldier going renegade and, um, and helping a, a fallen someone he's supposed to execute that he can't, he can't bring himself to do it. And now they're sudden they're on an adventure together. Where have we seen this before? Um, I don't know. Recently, Mandalorian, Sweet Tooth, uh, Logan. Uh, <laughs> there's been so many examples of this lone wolf and cub style story. Mm-hmm. that it's like, really, after all this time, this is what you guys have. It's like, I've, I've seen this and I've not only seen this, I've seen it recently. Yeah. And, and done better so that so when we're talking like originality and it being generic that's just kind of where it stems from it's like really this is what we're we're going down this path again and even making a big deal about like when his helmet comes off like that's something also straight out of the mandalorian now i know it's different but on the show they made it seem like a big deal when his helmet when he took his helmet off i don't know that master chief never takes his helmet off in a game you know you never explained to me as someone who plays hasn't played the game that that's supposed to be something important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. And, and what's funny is basically when the show really kind of took off for them creating it was in 2019, which happened to be the same year Mandalorian came out. So you're just like, Oh, you can already hear like the studio exec saying do that. But in halo. All right. That was popular. That was, that went so over that. well. <laughs> so let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. Just, just, yeah. just do, just, do that we have a guy who wears a mask so yeah so it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna like bite the style of something else you get you're gonna have to bring some more original ideas to it you can't just kind of be like a paint by numbers hey guys this you liked this when we did they did that right you like it again here's our version of it so that that part kind of didn't land for me that's why i'm not too excited about where the story's going um because i feel like i know already i exactly i feel like it's it's a it's a rogue. Now he's a rogue soldier helping a, you know, someone who's displaced that he was supposed to kill and couldn't bring himself to do it. I just saw that. So mm-hmm. unless they come up with something original and throw some new ideas at me in the coming episodes, I don't see my opinion changing too much on that. No, like I said, and that's like I said, when I realized they were going to go the Robocop route on top of the Mandalorian route, it was like, okay, been there. You have the brainwashed soldier who's learning that he's not that he has a past and that he has, you know, flashbacks and he has a life, you know, and uh, memories that he didn't know he had. And you're just like, well, yep. Seen that before. Cool. Yeah. So I, yeah. like I said, that, that was my biggest problem was that it was just like, Oh, and, and it, it, they kept having moments where I kept wanting for more. I don't know if this is technically spoilers or not, but uh, for something else, but like when he touched the artifact mm-hmm. and like started getting a vision, I thought they were going to rip off mass effect which that was in the first game opening like scene of the first game of mass effect. That was kind of what happened. They're like, Hey, we have this artifact and your character touches it and has all of these visions, but then she has to spend the game trying to figure out what those visions are. And it's not just, it's visions about like the impending doom. And like, it's more of a prophecy type vision and not, Hey, I was a child once vision. Yeah. 
So I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to rip off mass effect and go this route where he was going to have this vision and this key to try to stop the covenant. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Even though they're ripping off mass effect. But then, yeah, then when I saw the vision and I was like, Oh no, that's just him as a boy. I'm like, I knew exactly what it was already. Oh, that's just him as a boy. And like, I immediately knew where the rest of the show was going to go. I think that's the word we keep coming back to is just disappointing a little bit, Uh, especially in just like a time of, like I said to you before, it seems like this is like a golden age of sci-fi storytelling where, where some, where you can really, if you come with a fresh idea, people are really open to it now with, you know, some of the star Wars content we have coming and people are excited about Obi-Wan and everybody just loved Dune. And, um, like you you've been really into the Raised by Wolves show which I know a lot of people like and there's a lot of other shows going on it just seems like in a in a time where sci-fi is at its peak for interest they could have done more to kind of just or like come with something a little more fresh and original than just something that seems rehashed and like stuff we've seen already but and it's not even like we're in this moment of like heavy sci-fi too it's not like mm-hmm. cheap sci-fi and not like bubblegum sci-fi where it's just like hey we're just you know sci-fi and we're in space and we're this and let's have an adventure i mean like dune is heavy sci-fi you know that's like world building shit yeah we like we want some complicated makes you think sci-fi yeah like sci-fi i mean that's what raised raised by wolves is like you know it's there's there's a lot of like questioning and who these people are and like what life is you know and androids and all kinds of shit depending on how you fall with ais um and how you feel about that and if they're people or not, but you know, the foundation over on uh, Apple TV, Apple plus, yeah, Apple plus, Apple plus. I I think it's called Apple T. I don't know. It's one of them. Apple streaming service. They (laughs) had, um, you know, the foundation was awesome and it was like dense sci-fi. They had a lot of complicated themes, a lot of religious and just like spiritual and just so much stuff in that that was i i really enjoyed that show so then yeah to get like halo you're like well i mean i know halo is not the most deepest of sci-fi stories anyway it is a little bit more just kind of like space military which is cool um but i think it's just jarring like i have to i have to change all of my expectations i guess yeah speaking of space military i totally got uh starship trooper vibes off those human marines i was like they look exactly like the starship troopers i'm waiting for one of them to run down and be like you want to live forever yeah like yeah. live forever or, where's what, casper what, van dean yeah casper van dean we need him to show up in this movie <laughs> and we need lots of stuff um so yeah that was a lot of the things one of the things that made this feel to me like it was made in 2005 mm-hmm. or made from people who just don't know video games was there were lots of moments, especially in the beginning, where it was they wanted to throw stuff in there that made you rem- like, oh, remember, this is a video game. And it was the first person perspective. I hated the first person's perspective of like looking in his helmet and showing like the gun and making it look like the video game. It was like, oh, remember, this is a video game. Wink, wink, yeah. nudge, nudge. Hated it. It looked cheesy. And there's a reason why no other game i mean like doom the original doom did that with carl urban at the end where they did the whole rage thing and he would you just saw the gun and the chainsaw and he slaughtered people and that was fun for what it was and you're like ah just like the game and they just kind of went out of control with it but they did it in a cheesy kind of like over the top way that i think worked but i mean that movie is panned by the world so there's there's just a reason why you don't try to recreate that level and they tried so heavy to be like remember this is a game and the sounds and stuff it's just it's the little easter egg things that i just 
pulls me out of the experience and I'd rather see them find other ways to work it in there. But I hated the, their overuse of the first person thing in, in the first like half an hour when they were on that planet, kept wanting yeah. to show in the mask. A couple of times you use it so you can get like the sensors or something, but I don't know. I didn't like when you could see the gun, it looked cheesy. And then you're ripping off Iron Man once you do that. So yeah, 100%. <laughs> Iron Man changed, Iron Man changed that helmet view forever. It's just funny how it works that way. 100%. I also really didn't like the uh, the general lady. She was not, she didn't have enough oomph to her to be intimidating. I can't remember, what's, what's her name? Uh, Admiral Margaret. Okay. And, huh. uh, but that lady, she just wasn't like intimidating enough to be, she needed to have a little bit more oomph to her. She just had no authority. It was weird. I thought, she, I thought that was weak. I hope, I hope she grows a little bit more from a side cast uh, perspective. Well, nobody really in this supporting cast really spoke to me too much, except maybe the girl who paid, played Quan Ha. She seems mm -hmm. like she could she could have some character depth to her. You know, she started out as a more of a fun loving, you know, until, of course, her village gets slaughtered. And then she's kind of got an attitude and you can tell she's kind of going to be um, something to reckon with somewhere down the line. So if any, if I have any hope for any of the supporting characters, it would probably be her. The other ones, you know, the doctor, the general, the uh, the young lady who was the hologram and her father, like none of them really spoke to me too much. Not much. I was I was interested in seeing I'm, I'm interested in seeing where they go with uh, Keys and his daughter, Captain Captain Keys and his daughter and where they go with that. So those are characters that are in the game. And it was cool to kind of see that. And the doctor's up to something. So I think we'll get to something i just don't know where it'll if it'll be worth it when we get there from a supporting cast standpoint was it weird that when that hologram was talking to kwan and like hey we want you to make an announcement to the insurgents about you know what you saw and what's this and i don't know it seems so weird that she was like i'll make an announcement that you're lying you're like you just watch these creatures murder like your entire village and you don't want to warn other villages about it you want to tell you know like claim it as unsc propaganda I don't know. It just seems yeah. like, I don't know. It seemed like a weird shift to me. Like, I'd be like, I don't want to tell people. Yeah. She still seems like she's in a defiant uh, stage. Like she's learned her whole life that they're the villainous people. I, so um, I don't know. That I could be know. bad storytelling or bad writing. Who knows? I, yeah. I don't know. It just felt weird. And I was also in a weird mood when I was watching it. I was tired. That's why I was rewatching it today. Everything looked funny when I watched it last night. So. Well, I also got to admit, like halfway through watching this, I got like a work phone call that I had to take for 10 minutes. And then I come back. I was like, wait, what's happening in this show? I don't remember anything. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. So how do you you say you said you're going to give this at least one more episode? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I, I usually don't cancel things after one unless it's like Jupiter's Legacy. And even that one I gave two. So oh, yeah, I'm, we I'm did do two or three, didn't yeah. we? I'm I'm definitely willing to tune in next week to see where we go. It didn't scream at me as something that I need to watch, like must watch. I could even be like, ah, let me let three or four of these build up and then I'll, I'll tune back in and see what happens. I could be, go that route. Like I said, I hate being negative when talking about things, but you know, I've seen worse things. It's, oh, yeah. It wasn't bad. It was actually, it was watchable. The action was fine. You know, just nothing about it really excited me to the point where it became must watch you know week to week show so that's kind of where i'm gonna be on halo i think right now yeah i i'm excited about episode two re-watching it and knowing where my expectations are now 
I'm I'm excited. I I like space military and some of that stuff. So I mean, I'm excited for where they go. I'm just hoping that they go more. I'm hoping that they have a little bit more than just a Mandalorian ripoff because that's what it feels like from this premiere. And I, I hope that they have more in it. I hope they have more. They dive a little bit, just have a little bit more substance, a little bit more depth to it, as opposed to just let's just do what the Mandalorian did. Um, I did. I will say in Halo's favor, I do like the way that they, his reasoning and just the t- taking off his mask and exposing his face. I liked it better in the man. I hated the way that they did it in the Mandalorian the first time. So. Well, in the but okay, but in the Mandalorian, his his is explained as a religious thing. Like yeah. in this one, they're making it a big deal, but there's no reason why he couldn't have. The only reason they're making it a big deal is because they know it's a big deal to gamers who yeah. know he's never taken off his mask in a game. Yeah. So then it's like, oh, the big reveal was like, I don't care. Like, what what is his reason for not taking it off? Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, there he was could, no. He could I mean, have it he, off the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and I think he will. Like, I think he's going outside of action sequences. I think he will. So yeah, they and once again, it just comes down to a Mandalorian ripoff because they're like, well, we're going to take it off in the first episode and blah blah blah. And you're just like, okay, cool. Um, I just really hated the way they did it in the Mandalorian the first time they took off his mask. Um, that was just a me thing. He looked all gross. Well, wasn't it? Wasn't it so he could be healed? supposedly but i they didn't do anything to his face like the, the robot was still just fixing his body he you have to take yeah. off your mask oh i can't well i'm not a living thing okay and then they take off his mask and he looks all like beat up and he's all bloody and he looks all like you want to you want to show off that when he looks like a hero and you know taking off the mask if it's a big deal you know and yeah i think there was some assumption of it being a big deal for gamers and for people like oh shit you're gonna take off master chief's mask right now so uh, that way that they did it with him taking off the mask like hey if you're gonna kill me this is where you're gonna shoot me i was like all right i'm cool with that you know as a halo gamer and whatnot so i I was down with it where like i said the mandalorian it was always just like you have to take off your mask so i can heal you oh but i can't well i'm not real okay and then you take off his mask and he just looks so beat up and just like there was no heroic moment when he took off his mask for the second time in season two like at the prison and he had to like do the scan i thought that was a better like i wish that would have been the first time he did it because it would have i had more emotion and like it had more tied to it because it was important that he did it where the other one it just felt like they were doing it because they were like well we got to take it off somewhere sure i just i don't know i think in season one you just had to tell people that it was pedro pascal (laughs) <laughs> maybe people didn't even know up to that point it's like oh we do have an actor you know under this mask it's true um, and yeah i'm sure they had lots of reasons and i wasn't the biggest fan of mandalorian season one so i you know i could be bitter about some of that stuff as well but i wanted to give halo a little a little love i i, I appreciate it i didn't mind how they did it in this one i feel you and i like I that actor you. and i'm cool with that so i was i was cool with how they did it um, do you know that he is Liv schreiber's brother no nope. leave schreiber that's pablo schreiber leave schreiber from the screen movies yeah who look nothing alike and i was like Cotton there's no Weary. way they're it's like they're yeah i was like there's no way they're brothers but then i look and see they're like only half brothers which makes a little more sense but they are brothers overall average so hoping it turns into more we may or may not be back to talk about it so let us know what you thought about it hit us up over on raise the geek be that 600th person to follow us on 1600th Wait, what? Don't sell, don't sell us short. <laughs> I don't know any words. Uh, you got to get on. You got to get on the Twitter machine. Blah. Get over on Twitter. Be our follower, and let us know what you thought of Halo. 
and because uh, we're very curious and need to know if this is something we need to talk about. If this turns into a peacemaker-like situation, Don and I will be back to dissect more of this show. If we end up liking it or loving it by the end, I would be all here for it, especially if we're already going to get two seasons. Otherwise, bye-bye, Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quick trip quick trip into the world of paramount plus so yeah make sure you like subscribe follow hit us up with those five star reviews let us know what you think about the halo show over on the twitter machine and let us know if you want to hear more thoughts about it or what we have we'll see how far we get into the show and what we think ultimately hopefully it really jumps past has some original ideas and isn't just a mandalorian uh, rip off direct to DVD version of the Mandalorian is what it feels like right now. As we said, we will be back next week with a brand new show episode 50. We will be here. We'll come up with something cool to talk about. Cause right now we don't know. Oh no, we do know it's going to be uh moon night, moon night next week, moon night next week. It's your schedule, boy. That's our schedule. schedule moon night. We will be here to see what is being reported as the best MCU show ever is what the early reviews are saying is that it's outstanding. So I'm definitely pumped to see what Marvel is going to do with Moon Knight and where we're going into this next uh, darker stage of the MCU. But that's going to do it for us this week. So for Raise the Geek, I'm Chris. And I'm Don. And thanks for checking out the show. Where geek is all we speak.